I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. The journey through betrayal trauma has so many twists and turns. In fact, so many of the good people that I've worked with, mostly women dealing with betrayal trauma, have said to me so many times that they wish they knew where this thing was going to go, where it would end, like what it's supposed to look like. So many times they feel lost, disoriented, disconnected from themselves, disconnected from others, disconnected from God. And so in my episode today, I, I brought on a fellow therapist and a woman who has publicly shared her betrayal trauma journey for over 10 years. You might know her if you've been around a while in this community. You might know her as Scabs. And uh, she started blogging publicly about her, her experience of being betrayed and working through that process, I think back in 2012. And she has now, you know, she's moved on from a lot of those things she was doing back then. She was a podcaster and was blogging a lot. And, and she's gone back to school and, and is now working as a therapist. And she is doing some great work and sharing a lot of really great, hopeful stuff with women who are trying to heal from the impact of betrayal trauma. But I brought her on the podcast because I really want you to just kind of join with us in talking about her journey. She's got a really incredible journey. In fact, what I love about her process is how, how much she settled into that journey and how much she's allowed the twists and turns to happen and how she's worked hard to not fight it and allowed herself to have this rhythm or flow. And we're going to talk a lot about that. A lot of this is counterintuitive for people who are hurting. They want boundaries, structure, control. They want outcomes. They want guarantees. And Jenny totally gets it. I totally get it. And we're going to open up and invite you to look at a more peaceful way of doing this process. And so this conversation is going to, it's going to have some flow to it. It's going to meander a little bit. It's in essence going to be just an exploration of her process and her journey. I think you'll enjoy it. It was a great conversation. I love talking to her. And she's an open book and she's fantastic to, to just kind of walk through this process. And I think you'll pull a lot of wisdom, a lot of nuggets, and hopefully find more peace in your own personal journey. So let's jump in. And by the way, her name is Jenny, <laughs> not Scabs. And so let me jump in with my interview with Jenny Gessel. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hey, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Now, I've uh, followed your work for quite a while, believe it or not, when I, uh, I think I discovered you when you were hosting the, the podcast Love Rice back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. 2017, it seems so far. <laughs> oh, is that when like, it was? so long ago. <laughs> I think that's when we maybe, we were maybe right in the middle of it around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love that podcast and, and you did some great episodes and I just really... We had so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I, I mean, just as a audio person myself. I just love the production of it. I mean, like if you guys go- Well, listen. shout out to Jesse Budd. He did that. He's oh, the bomb. my gosh. I was like, this sounds like NPR. Like, you know, this it is like fun. It was cool. We, we were super inspired by Radiolab. We love that <laughs> podcast. And so we're like, we want to give it this sound, you know, this storytelling component. You did. And it was awesome. And it was so fun. It really elevated and put a lot of pressure on me as a fellow podcaster, like to really up my game. So- <laughs> 
but I followed your journey a little bit here on social media and just like here and there and just, you know, like we do. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to pull you in and have you talk to me and my audience is because I know that your, your journey, your personal journey through your own healing, your own recovery has taken a lot of twists and turns. And I've watched you as you've, you know, posted publicly and talked publicly about the amount of acceptance, the amount of sort of surrender, the amount of like growth and embracing stuff that, that you've had to do and that you've chosen to do. And quite frankly, it's just been very, it's been very inspiring to me personally. And I know some of the folks wow. I've, I've sent over to see your stuff just because I think there's a lot of natural sort of resistance and pushback that we all do when we're in, a, in, a, in our process and all of a sudden it takes a, a hard right or a hard left or, or just stops oh, yeah. us flat in our track, you know. And so I'd, I'd love to, I guess, have you start off and I'd love to just kind of hear a little overview of your journey. And then let's, we'll talk maybe at a different level about sort of meta level of love, kind of what it's all meant to you and what you're doing with it. But I'd love just to at least give some people some context of, of what you feel, you, you know, you want to share about your journey. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I have really opened up my journey to the world. So I'm okay with talking about awesome. it. And I usually, when I do talk about it, it's usually not totally the current stuff. I'm usually talking about it in a little bit of a buffer from the past. But, you know, I recently had a conversation with an old client that reminded me of something very foundational. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's what I did. You're right. She said, you know, we sat down and she came in just after D-Day and she said, you know, she's wondering, should she leave or should she stay in her relationship. That's the, that's the question that plagues us all. Do we stay? Do we go? Right? Mm -hmm. It's so heinous. We can't stay. It's so heinous. We can't go. And it's the most impossible question. And she says, you know, you sat, you sat down and you wouldn't give me the answer, of course. And she said, but you did tell me that whatever I chose to do, that it would require me to be a whole person. Oh, yeah. And whether I stay or go or sit in the limbo and so she said, you know, I went home that day and I started to write out a list of like, how do I become whole? And yeah. when she told the story, I thought, ah, oh, yeah, it's such a beautiful, succinct way to kind of describe maybe my philosophy for myself, for the people that I'm working with or for life, you know, become whole. And that is really my focus. I don't know if I'm going to stay, go, go upside down, if stuff's going to blow up or be fine. I have no idea, but I can put in the tenacity and love and work into myself to become whole. Yeah. I've got to stay intact for whatever comes my way. Yeah. Whatever is going to happen, mm -hmm. I want to be as whole of a version of myself as I can. And that's the best way for me to deal with whatever the ups and downs are of this. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a great starting point. And so can we kind of go like backstory a little bit? Can we go, yeah, um, go backstory. Pre prequel here and just sort of. Prequel, my Genesis. Would you like to hear the Genesis <laughs> yeah. of Scabs? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear the whole <laughs> the thing. The Genesis of Scabs. So I can give a quick kind of synopsis, but I, you know, I think it was maybe 2011 or 12, about two years after my D-Day that I started writing my story anonymously online. And it was incredibly terrifying <laughs> and vulnerable for me to even in an anonymous fashion push that publish button and invite my story into the world. I'm traditionally probably more introverted and private and quiet. And so sharing such an incredible experience that's been so painful was really hard. But at the same time, 
it's the one of the biggest parts of my healing was writing my story. Yeah. And so I remember the day I started the blog, I was walking around the block and I was kind of reflecting on what had happened over the last few years and the incredible rupture in my relationship and my marriage. And I didn't know if my family was going to work out. I mean, betrayal was all over the place, all kinds of deceit and lies and just the second life that I had no, no idea was going on. And I didn't know how to really walk through it. And I remember just kind of thinking about this moment that I'd had with my now ex-husband. We called him Mr. Scabs. So I'm Scabs from the Eat My Scabs blog. And my ex at the time, we called him Mr. Scabs. So I'm walking around the block thinking to myself, and I'm having this memory of when Mr. Scabs came over to my house one day after we'd separated, kind of a brief separation. And he was trying to talk to me about our life and I'll do anything. I want to repair this. And I really just wasn't invested in the conversation. I just, I do remember picking at a scab and this is, this is gross, but this is me. So we picked at the scab and I, it came off. And just as he said to me, I'll do anything. I just had this really kind of like diabolical idea in my head, like eat this scab and I'll forgive you. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. like the, things- the only way <laughs> that you can gain forgiveness from me is by doing this disgusting Is thing, do this you know? awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was a really strange moment for both of us because I think I just was stone cold. And I think he was like, huh, is there a way I, I could, that would work, that would do it. You know, it was almost this and then my dog jumped up and ate the scab. Oh, I don't know. I didn't so, know that part of the story. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Rest in peace, my lady dog. I love you so much. <laughs> she just passed away this last year. So, but yeah. So, you know, it's that story that I began the blog with. Yeah. And it had so much meaning in so many ways because this about healing and scabs yeah. are essential for healing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't know if that gives you enough background. On- yeah. Some of you may, yeah, some of you may remember, I mean, some women that have kind of been in this community for a while, you know, your name and and the scabs name and then your podcast and everything, you know, you, you know, you were certainly one of the early voices in terms of trying to, you know, just tell your story and sort of give women permission to, you know, just to embrace this journey. What, like for you, where, where did that take you? Like, where have you been? Oh, where have gosh. you gone? Like I, and I get that, you know, we're trying to summarize your greatest hits here in just a few minutes, but. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's greatest hits, but it's just the journey. Right. And you know, someone told me a while ago, they said, there's no wrong way to do your journey. And you know, it's something I've repeated a lot and a lot of pushback on that idea. There's no wrong way to do your journey. But as I look back at my journey, I see all my stumblings and wonderings and you know, brainstormings and trying again and taking a break and trying more, you know, and just really being curious about how I wanted to be in the world, how I wanted to become whole in the world. And it definitely took me, you know, back in those days, there was a good handful of us writing anonymous blogs online. We got real connected. And finally, I wasn't the only one in the whole world whose husband had sought out, you know, solicited sex or whatever it might be. And, and I finally felt like, oh, that's kind of, this is happening to more people, unfortunately, than I imagined. But right, right. gosh, the way I feel isn't so, you know, foreign. I am not an alien on this world. There are people who are like me. And I got, yep. I have some of my best friends from that era of my life. You know, we cried and we were together. And we, so, you know, I think from this, I came to a place of a lot of writing, a lot of community connection. I moved through yoga, movement, meditation. That was really a big component of my healing. 12-step, the old school 12-step, that's what I did. And I just focused on myself. I focused on my own experience, my own desires, my own 
surrender, you know, all of that practice. And of course, that led me to coaching and helping other people and, you know, doing these camp scab retreats. And then I did bloom retreats and we've done some wild retreats where we got out in the woods and done all kinds of, you know, really interesting things. And I began to realize as I was helping others and helping myself, I needed more foundation, like understanding, you know. And so I decided to go back in my master's degree and and move from the coaching world to the therapy world. And so that's the place where I'm at now. I'm new to the therapy world. And it's interesting just to notice my professional and my healing life and how they've intertwined. And it's something I've struggled to figure out how to, yeah. how to have the relationship with both of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but you know, it's like you can't go back into hiding and pretend you're some sort of detached observer, right? I can't. I'm <laughs> That's right. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Exactly. You know? So, right. yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I've, I've really struggled to figure out the ethics behind my personal story and how do I work with that in my in my work. Yeah. If that's even a, an option, I don't know. Yeah, right. And that's again just another part of your journey. I mm-hmm. and what I'm struck with is you know you're obviously like someone that is resourceful, right? I mean, for you to for you to come up with this crazy intervention in this moment with your ex-husband to eat your scab. So creative. <laughs> right. And so resourceful. <laughs> Thanks it, for framing that in a nice way. But in some ways it's some ways it's sort of a it's sort of emblematic of sort of, you know, you just going with what, you know, what you needed in the moment. And you're just trying to just try stuff. You're just, you know, whether it's podcasting or a retreat or All these different pieces. It's like, let's try this. I got to keep moving forward. It's like this, like this energy of, I'm not going to just lay down and give up. And I'm not. Oh, no. Right. Like, you're right. That tenacity was built in me as a child. And, you know, as we walk through this process, we don't always know what our strengths are. And that is an inventory that is required for you to, you know, you you are going to get through this. And a piece of that is looking at your strength inventory. Yep. What do I have? What can anchor me? What can I come back to? Well, I knew I could come back to my resilience and my tenacity and my moxie and my, you know, my ability to climb those mountains. I also knew I was incredibly good at brainstorming and experimenting. Mm. I come from a long line of family scientists, right? So, oh, so we have this kind of well, artists and scientists. So it's kind of an interesting mix in our in our family culture. Mm-hmm. But you know, I really was interested in my own personal ex- experiments. Mm-hmm. What was working for me? What wasn't working for me? And this is one of the ways I could navigate all those voices that were trying to tell us what to do or what not to do in this whole you know recovery yeah. experience. Yeah, and I love that. I love I love that principle of knowing what your strengths are, what your anchors are, who you are, like what can't be taken from you by other people, whether it's someone who's injured you or even other people who might be trying to guide your journey and steer you a certain direction. Like you always have with you those strengths and to know what those are and to rely on those as, you know, as resources. I can Mm -hmm. see obviously for you, like, you know, you're saying like, yeah, my resilience, my ability to keep moving forward, to keep trying stuff, to keep creating, to keep in movement, like you're like, yeah, that saved you. I mean, that's that's what's kept you paddling. That's what has definitely kept me paddling. And I've recently kind of discovered that's a core value for me. I want to know what's working inside of me. Mm. I desire to understand how and why and what pushes me and what keeps me 
you know, going or not going. I'm very curious about. Yes. Me. Yeah. That sounds. Some of us might be like, oh, that's so selfish. And that is a, <laughs> a structure of our culture that we want to examine. Is it selfish for me to really hone in on myself? Right. And I believe that it's not because if I want to do my good in the world and make my, you know, make my impression or give to the world, I must be my best whole person that I can discover being. And, you know, I, I kind of joke, right? Like, like hopefully I grow to 90 or 100 years old because I want all of this time to figure these things out. And it's just fascinating and in a weird way, kind of fun to evolve. Yeah. And this is, this is, uh, I want to, I want, I want to like pause this point and expand on it for a second, because in my experience, not only just as a fellow traveler, but just as a clinician working with a lot of women and some men, but a lot of women who have had a major trauma, a major betrayal, a major life change where what they thought was real was not real and mm-hmm. you know the whole drill. So so that happens right. and there's just a natural sort of tendency reflex whatever you want to call it to want to know when this is going to be over. To want to know Oh jeez, right? <laughs> right? To want to know yes. understandably like what the end game is here and when will I feel peaceful? When will I feel better? When will I feel stable? And you know, I think what strikes me about you know, your attitude and and certainly just what you've shared publicly and, and even with me in our conversations is that there is no end point. And that, no. that can be a really exciting <laughs> thing. Like you said, uh-huh. like, I hope to live till I'm 90 or hundred. That can be a really like exciting thing that you can be curious about and sort of just embrace, or it can just be the most, it can feel like a life sentence, right? Yeah, it can. And I've been there. Mm-hmm. I, I remember moments of just absolute devastation, right? And all I could do was beg God for a time machine. I was like, please, God, send me a time machine. I'd I'd love to go back to that place where I didn't know. Mm. And then there's the piece of me that was like, oh, please don't send me back because I have to relive it. (laughs) You know, it's this horrendous experience. You can't step forward. You can't step backward. Everything is scary. Everything is unknown. And I think that once I began the shift of oh my gosh, I am 100% responsible for me. I used to think if I want to feel loved, someone has to love me. I used to think if I want to feel happy, someone needs to make me happy. I used to think if I want to be satisfied in life, someone needs to be part of that, right? To help me do that. I had no idea I was entirely 100% capable of doing that for myself. And you know, when you say those words, they feel a little bit trite because love yourself. It just feels that the words do not give feeling to the experience of that connection and bond that you might build with yourself. And for me, building that bond has been the one of the other anchors. So yeah, tenacity, the ability to discover, want to learn, but also just the ability to kind of really befriend myself and everything is, you know, that critical voice just feels like it starts to fall away as I learn to really see the truth of the experiences I've had. Yeah. Like there's a jet. That makes sense. Yeah. And and I, I know that you're trying to wrap words around something that's experiential that. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. It's like the knowledge and then the felt sense. You just can't give it. Yeah you know, wait to what it is. But I know, you know, those of you that are listening, you've had 
that felt sense experience with something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what it, what's the sensation of feeling totally entirely loved by yourself. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, for those of you who have children, you know, imagining what it's like to be a parent and hold your baby for the first time versus actually holding your baby for the first time. Yeah. It's, you know, I remember, I remember something physically changing inside of me when I held my son for the first time. It was like, mm. it was like it wasn't there and then it was. And obviously it's never yeah, gone. And it's he's, a wash, right? He's, he's, a, like, he's a 22 year old man body. now, but like, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, I, I can just as I talk about it with you right now, I can remember that shift. And so I think that this, this thing you're talking about of, of recognizing that if you haven't felt what it's like to be at peace with yourself, to feel deep compassion and like you said, friendship with yourself, to make peace with that relationship, which seems so abstract and weird, but when you have oh, it- that's, I can never give it justice. <laughs> all we have are words right now to work with here, especially on a podcast, but that, that's really, I mean, that's what you're saying. It's like, if you, if you want to settle into this and turn it from a life sentence into right a real journey of exploration and curiosity and growth, you can't just be looking for someone else to like help it make it okay for you. Yeah, you're right. And I think when I'm when I'm thinking about this component of my healing process, it's that compassion that allows me to, to have the peace to take it wherever I go. You know, I can I can really tap into it in almost any place, and that's a product of practice. It's not something I was just born with, and I'm lucky, right? It's a product of practice. I practice, 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 practice. Like all these different things. I got curious. I experimented. I did things to try to figure out what that was like for me, yeah. what that could be like. And um, it just, it's brought so much strength. And I realized I get to drive this boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm the one with my hands on the steering wheel. I can invite anyone I want on my boat and I can let anyone know they need to get off. And I'm going to make sure that steering wheel doesn't have anyone else's hands but my own. And that my hands are only on my steering wheel and no one else's, right? So this kind of, I get to drive and I get to reclaim my choices and the world begins to expand beyond what was going on in my home. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think about, I mean, we talk a lot on, I mean, this podcast and in my work, you know, I'm, I'm trained in emotionally focused therapy. I, I'm a huge mm -hmm. proponent of, of attachment and attachment work and co-regulation and working to, to really build those secure bonds and shape relationships and shape our experience of being loved and giving love. And yet, this is one side of that coin, what we're talking about. I mean, mm -hmm. Sue Johnson often talks about how secure attachment, it's two, you know, independence and dependence, self-love, bonding, attaching, reaching, it's all two sides of the same coin. You can't separate the two and they feed each other. No, right? I think I could for a long time. <laughs> I was all about me and I, I was like, no one in the world is trustworthy. Everyone sucks. Yeah. And I think that's developmental. It totally has been. I, I've noticed that in myself. I think yeah. that that's what I learned as a child and growing up into adulthood. And then certainly it was you know, proven in my relationship, right? So as I kind of was able to more love myself, it's weird. I never expected myself to want to connect to other people because I just haven't and don't really know how and it's not been a part of my story and very much you know the connection to self was about survival and yep. it was about figuring this out and it was about keeping myself out of those like 
you know, cycles and, and spirals that kept me down. It was really about just trying to, and I didn't really realize I was in survival. I think I got through the crisis and I was like, okay, I survived. But I don't think I realized how much that survival still stuck with me for many, many years until I started to feel more grounded. And I worked a lot on being grounded being grounded. Yeah. Grounded. How do I get, come back to myself, come back to myself. I was always, whenever I got lost, I'd be like, okay, come back to yourself. Do you need more sleep? Do you need to move your body? Do you need to connect with friends? Do you need to fix your finances? Do you need to clean your kitchen? You know, just coming back to those grounding, simple, physical experiences that would bring me then to the emotional. And then I felt supported as I began to discover, oh, maybe people are trustworthy. <laughs> you know, maybe I could connect with a few people. Let me just try with, uh, you know, these two dogs right here instead <laughs> of people, right? Exactly. I'm very cautious as it, when it comes to other, other yeah. humans. But, you know, it's loving myself has woken me up to the entire possibility of connection to other people that I'd never, never known. Yeah. And I, I think that, and, and I'm, I'm generalizing big time right now, so I'll just qualify this, what I'm about to say, but, but right. one, one thing that I see a lot is, again, if they're two sides of the same coin, there's a lot of people that their biggest challenge, like you, is going to be trying to take risks and open up to the idea of mm-hmm. attachment co-regulation, connecting with others, letting yourself be vulnerable, putting some of you into someone else's hands, right? Like, like that can feel like a life task. You know, and for oh others, my, my anxiety goes through the roof when it comes to that. Right, right. And then you have the other mm-hmm. side of that coin. Yeah. Where some people, for them to do the work you've done, feels mm-hmm. just as scary to look at themselves, to embrace, like yeah. to, to be their alone. anxiety goes through the roof. Right. right to, be to be alone with their feelings and they're, and they're living and just over connecting, sharing, talking, connect. Like they're just, they won't allow themselves to be with themselves at all. They won't even look at themselves or sit with themselves or have compassion for themselves or any of that work. And so, I mean, are there people out there who have balanced both of those perfectly? Maybe. I know for me, I'm constantly working on one or the other. Like, I feel like that my balance and sort of my journey as well. And most people that I talk to, we're just trying to figure out that balance, that closeness, that distance of being with ourselves, being with others, how much is too much. But again, that's just the, that's our work because like, you know, human well-being is like, we aren't going to be very healthy being just by ourselves. And we're also not going to be super healthy being so enmeshed with everybody else's emotions and feelings and stuff that we can't even like see where we start or end. <laughs> yeah. And I like this because I've, you know, I'm noticing that that same pattern that you're talking about. Some of us are very closed off to other people and very trying to tune in with ourselves. And some of us are very tuned into other people and more closed off to ourselves. Right. So we, you know, usually are somewhere along that spectrum. And yep. I, I think what you said earlier, I want to highlight, which is, this is a journey. This is an exploration. You know, I might have spent the first however many, you know, 10 years of my recovery really honing into me. Yeah. And I could see that my mistrust of others was kind of a problem, but it wasn't as big of a problem yet because I needed the time to really feel solid with myself. And it was working for me as all things do until they don't anymore. <laughs> so when I started to realize that that wasn't really working for me, I remember one day I was driving with my daughter and, you know, she's like, she's like 19. She's like, mom, you know what? I'd really like you to find love someday. You know, she's like hopeful for me. And I'm like, why would I want that? I don't want anyone to take anything from me. You know, I'm like, <laughs> have this total like, Haha, I see you laughing. <laughs> you know, I have this total like hard kind of badass attitude around it. Then 
it kind of sunk in. I was like, she goes, mom, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't. I have no idea. And so just to allow yep. it to unfold naturally, you know, there's something about, of course, you can kind of make something happen or kind of spark something to happen, you know, but I, I really love the natural pace of figuring these things out. And when I work with my clients and my people, I want to install that idea that this is just a natural pace. What shows up is what we're going to work with. We don't need to force this or force that. Your body knows the way we're going. It's the map. And as we listen and begin to understand, then we'll flow in your flow. And that is the most, in my perspective, the most healing way to help yourself. Most of us, yeah, I love that. Follow your own flow. I mean, I think that there is a natural rhythm for every Mm -hmm. body, every person, our own physical Mm -hmm. selves, our spiritual selves, our emotional selves. There is a rhythm to it. And I'm still learning my own rhythms with that. I'm still learning how to tune into that and trust that. And I, I know growing up for most of us, you know, most humans, we're told where to stand, what to wear. You know, we just, we're sort of just like moved around and and we're put in roles and there's requirements and and a lot of the times we we just assume that this is just how it's supposed to be and there's not a sense of personal empowerment a, a sense of personal direction and and you know even though I'm a I'm a very spiritual person a, a religious person and I I do factor God into my my journey there is also an individual component of like I get to be able to make decisions and decide and determine a lot of things and so many people, I think, as you're growing up, are invested, probably from a good place, of making sure that it looks a certain way. And yeah. some of those things, you know, you might hang on to and embrace and continue forward with. Some of them may be the right things for you and whatever, but to kind of live a life that's unexamined with that, to just not really open up to this rhythm or this flow you're talking about and trusting and sensing what you need, trusting the different seasons, I think really creates a lot of suffering, actually. I agree with you. It does create a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety and self-loathing even. I think it's really this idea. And, you know, surrender is a big piece of the recovery process yes. as if for some schools of thought. And the way I look at surrender is in this flow kind of way. The surrender is actually letting go of what I believe the outcome is going to be or what, you know, what that outcome is instead. I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, I want to feel peaceful. What do I need to do to feel peaceful? What's in the way of me feeling peaceful? Kind of really examining my own ability to create peace for myself or whatever the desired feeling is and allow that flow inside of you to let go of the destination that doesn't actually even exist. And to wake up every single day and just check in with your body and notice what you need and where you're at. And maybe you feel energetic and ready to tackle some stuff. And so you sit down and make a plan and go for it. And then it blows up, right? And so you just check in on that and be like, you know what? Now I'm going to re- reconsider and pivot today. It might be a good day for a little afternoon nap, or maybe I need to pivot this way or that way. Just the ability to change your mind, the ability to reclaim your choices the ability to test, connect into your body and know what it's saying that you need for the day. Yeah. You know, as you're describing this, I'm like, wow, she's totally describing my wife. Like that's totally, (laughs) and you know, we, we love each other dearly and have, uh, we've married for 25 years and 
but as I think about this in relationship to another person, you know, that, you know, you may, somebody may hear you talking about like, well, yeah, well, Jenny can say that because, you know, she's single and she's hanging out with her dog and she gets to kind of flow yep. in and out and whatever. And nobody's, <laughs> I bump- make that life. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's bumping into her asking for That's anything. True. But what's interesting is that as I'm listening to you talk about this, I mean, I think about my wife who is in a marriage, who's in a family, who's dealing with a lot of demands on her energy and her time. And she is seriously one of the one of the few people in, in my world who really honors that flow and that rhythm. In fact, to the point where there are many days I'll wake up and I'll want to like hug her, squeeze her, talk to her, and she'll just be like, hey, I just, I just need you to be really quiet. I need like some space. And it, it's just like right now I'm needing like this, I need some room. And maybe later on I'll be ready for some closeness. And then I'll, and it can look like a moving target, but really what it is, is it's just like the ocean. It's just, it's moving. There's high tide, low tide movement, stillness. And over the years, I've really learned to just embrace that. And it's really in some ways forced me. I'm, I'm not going to say it was gentle because it was hard for me to, to accept that and not personalize it. But if you're living in relationship with someone else, there still has to be room for you to move like this. That's what I've learned. And it can work, and it's so critical. So I think a lot of a lot of the again the women I work with, especially feel, and I think there's a lot of messages and societal pressures and cultural expectations that that you're supposed to tend to everybody's energy and somehow make everybody feel comfortable. And I just think that oh, that yeah, comes at a, a huge right comes at a huge mm-hmm. price of mm-hmm. self. You know, my, I think Harriet Lerner called it de-selfing. Right? Like it's just it's just so problematic, and so. I mostly just share this example of my wife just to say, if you're in relationship to somebody and you want to stay attached and you want to be close to someone, a secure attachment has room for rhythm and flow. It has room for flex. It has room for distance and closeness. I love that you're saying that because I think that is my discovery. You know, that's been my zone lately. Because yes, I do have two dogs I like to practice on. That is my go-to practice. <laughs> or I always practice with the person who I check out my groceries, you know, at yeah. the checkout line. I practice with them too because they're really non-threatening. I can do it, you right, know. Right. But it's exactly what you said. It's the pressing in on other relationships that have made me wake up to this missing piece in my own healing process. So right. pressing into the relationship with my children. My brother and I have recently kind of gone through this very big upheaval and reconnection that is also pressing in on my, you know, my, my avoidance stuff. And then, you know, my parents, it's also kind of a thing there. So yes, it's a practice. I don't beat myself up because I don't, I'm not in a relationship and I don't know how to do this. Exactly. This is me right now in the surrender and flow in real time with the people that I'm doing at my own pace. Like if I jumped into the, a serious you know, intimate relationship with someone right now, I feel like I would be, it would be too intense yeah, for my it. learning, my learning pace. Exactly. So I want to pace it out with, you know, s- smaller circles. I, guess, I love it. As I learn and then expand. Beautiful. So. Yeah. And if you're already in something, you're, you know, I know for my wife, you know, she talks about like, yeah, like the first 10 years of my marriage, she said, I just tried to be everyone, everything for everyone and be available for even for me. And kids and everyone. And she said, you know, yeah. so she, she had to make a break kind of midstream, right? Like she's in the middle of this mm-hmm. big commitment. And for her, it was uh, this permission to say like, I get to have a flow that might be different than everybody else around me, including my husband and my children. And yeah. 
everybody will adapt and adjust. And we have, and it's been wonderful. And surprisingly, my children and myself have all discovered that we get to do the same thing. And so- Yeah, that permission flows, doesn't it? Right. It's amazing. And so now we all sort of, and people would probably think we're the strangest family on the planet, but we all just sort of like move with each other. And we work really hard to honor that and give each other and everybody's you know, expected to be open about where they're at. And I just think if you're going to live in attachment and do this, what you're talking about, honoring yourself, being compassionate for yourself, understanding this, it's going to require a tremendous amount of openness, communication, courage, and permission from self, because permission from others is not going to come always. I did not give my wife permission, quote unquote. I was resisting it. I struggled with it. And she had to have the courage yeah. to say, like, I still need this. And and I've learned that now in my own life, just to be like, you know what? Other people aren't going to give me permission to take and give give myself what I need. One, they don't know. And two, they want what they want. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy thing to kind of hone into the idea that, oh, I'm the biggest giver of my own needs. <laughs> right. It's like, It's wow. like, huh, well, that gives me all of the power. And that's interesting. That's like, that's the best news and also kind of hard news. Yeah. I get to choose what? (laughs) uh, Yes. Yeah. I know. As I kind of like, you know, simmer and think about my own journey and how much that has become part of my process of Mm -hmm. permission to, to do me and to not always know either. Yeah. Try and try again and take a break. And How do you, how have you over the years, how have you, I guess, developed more tolerance or acceptance for this thing you just said, which is, I don't always know where it's going to go. How does someone who's just had their life flipped upside down, who can hardly tolerate the idea of not knowing or the uncertainty of like mm-hmm. what's next because it's been so scary, how do you grow that? How do you grow that ability to tolerate the uncertainty and the unknown? Oh gosh, that's a good question a phrase I remember my neighbor just always stuck out to me. She, I kind of told her a little bit about what was going on in the early days. And she mm-hmm. said, Oh, there are no guarantees. And I was like, what? You know, I had to really confront oh, that. Yeah. What do you mean? I totally live in a world of even exchange. If I pay $5, I get five slices of bread, whatever. Right. So <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I thought if I put a quarter in, I would get a gumball, but I didn't know I'd get a chewed up gumball. You know, it's like, there's no guarantees. Yeah. And confronting that anger, I was angry about it. I was bitter about it. Confronting that, staying with it, just saying like, yeah, I don't like that idea, but I have a feeling it might be true. And so I would practice it, you know, just kind of recognizing there's no guarantee here. I don't know. So what can I guarantee? Well, I can guarantee that I can do this for me or that or, you know, whatever it would be. So it really was confronting it, which eventually evolved into kind of a surrender of other people's behaviors and uh, Mm -hmm. really an honoring of, yeah, you do you and I get to do me. And that really filtered through a lot of relationships. I had not just my then marriage, but also lots of friends and people that I've connected with that just ability to allow people to do their own thing and draw that clear understanding that I'm in charge of me and I get to anchor into my own internal compass and my own integrity and decide from there how I want to manage and handle myself. Yeah. That whole idea seems like it's something that you have to kind of stretch and grow into. Yeah, it's taken, it probably took me, I mean, it took me years. I mean, yeah. I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of surmi- like summarizing like a 12 year 
story right here. I know. Yeah. And then within this 12 years, that was something that has just involved, evolved inside me in a very incredible way. Yeah. What does Brene Brown say that we, we work so hard to make the uncertain certain, like we just as humans, Mm -hmm. we uncertainty, we do not tolerate the unknown very well. And even to our detriment, we'll, you know, we'll engineer something just to make it feel like at least we can be in control. And so I love what you're saying that, I mean, what a wise thing. There are no guarantees. It seems like such an easy thing to say, but to really settle into that and embrace that and recognize that. Oh, oh man. A lot of friction with that. Even as you say it right now, I feel my body going like, but. But isn't there? (laughs) Oh, the the resistance is real. We like to think that. And I know. Resist, so, yeah, checking into the resistance, developing yep. that self-compassion. Yep. And honestly, it was just, it was settling my feet in reality. What mm-hmm. is my reality? Yeah. The reality is, I, there are no guarantees. All I can do is wake up every day, open the door and see what's there and yeah. then go for it. Well, and, and like you were saying at the beginning, like, and even then, then this is where grounding yourself and what I, what is real, what's in front of me, right? My feet are touching the floor. My belly is a little hungry. I'm going to go make some toast. I'm going to, right? You're just sort of taking care of what's calling to you. And you're just working from that place instead of trying to create some kind of predictable future. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that predictability that you said, I can't, there's no guarantee on the outside of me, but there is a guarantee on the inside of me. I can predictably be compassionate to myself. I can predictably have my own back. I can predictably take care of myself, mm-hmm. get grounded, Yep. cultivate that peace that I was yep. talking about, cultivate that, you know, exploration and curiosity and that self kindness. Beautiful. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, this little podcast moment with you has sort of been, I guess, symbolic of the bigger 12 year and onward journey, right? Like we kind of started mm-hmm. off and yeah. I, I said, so Jenny, what do you want to talk about? And it's kind of like, well, let's explore the journey, right? Because this mm-hmm. is, this is what Every, almost every single person I've ever worked with who's had a major trauma, a major life change, whatever it is, this is like the last thing they want to do is, is go on some journey and explore stuff. It's like, no, I need, I need results. I need guarantees. I need safety. And there are some things that need to be taken care of in the immediate. But once that kind of gets quieted down, there's a lot that you just don't know. And I love what you're saying is that there are things you can know and there are things you can do. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it it literally feels like I'm Jacques Cousteau on my big boat and I'm going to explore whatever the natural world is going to present to me. (laughs) And that's how it feels. And I think that's why I can get so energized around it. I, I always loved like those kinds of, you know, stories, explorations and things. Well, Jenny, let's pause here. We have to get back to life, I guess, huh? (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being with me. I'm super happy to be here. It's fun to dig in. Maybe we'll dig in some more later. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, you're welcome. Take care. Once again, I want to thank you, Jenny, for joining me on this this conversation about your own healing process. It's inspiring and I learned a lot and I hope it was beneficial to all of our listeners. So thank you. And all of you, if you want to learn more about Jenny and the great work she's doing, check in the show notes. I've put links to how you can get in touch with her and find out where she is. And I'm just inspired by her. So thank you. Thank you so much for the great work you're doing personally and now, you know, professionally and all the great work you've done to help people over the years. And once again, my great audience, I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you so much for joining me every single episode. And if you want to learn more about the work that I'm doing and the courses and the past podcasts and ongoing columns that I write every week, 
You can find more information on my website, fromcrisis2connection.com. I've got a free download to help you end your marriage arguments. You can download that there and drop in. Say hi. Let me know how you're doing. I'd love to hear ideas and suggestions for the podcast and, you know, just help be a resource for you along your journey. Thank you again for the great work you're doing and sharing this information, building your own relationships in your own life because the world needs healthy people. So I just honor you and respect you and glad to be a part of your journey every single week. Okay, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you.